Hi everybody and welcome to No Country, episode 86. My name is J. David Osborne and that is Chris Sacknessum. Chris, how are you doing this Monday afternoon? David, I'm, I'm well. I had a really exciting and fun visit from my uh, mother, who's 94. Listeners will know, will know her as Ellen. Uh, she says hello to everyone. She's in, in great shape and, and really uh, traveled very, very well. And my sister. Uh, so we had a really fun time. We were out on the, uh, the local uh, railroad, the Nevada Southern Railway. Uh, we were in the pool, we were up on the mountain, and then we went out onto the magic waters of Lake Mead. Um, and fortunately, the, the, the heavy winds died down, so they really got a, a, a great sort of look at the community. And all, we also went to the wonderful ghost town around the corner, which figures into my new book about memory. Um, I don't have a memory palace, I have a memory ghost town. Uh, so there's a, there was a lot of good vibes there, and uh, we spoke often of you, David. They 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 uh, oh good. Mom is a big fan of yours. Um, oh good. So it Excellent. was it was there. You know, it, the... it's I think we're we're all looking for family and community and connection, uh, and it's wonderful when that happens in a very physical sort of sense. Well, I'm a big fan of hers too, so that's good to hear. I'm, uh, I'm glad you had a good weekend. We had a good weekend here, too. We took Gus to the Norman Music Festival, which has been, uh, or had been, I should say, a staple of my mid-20s life. Every year, at the end of April, in the town of Norman, Oklahoma, they shut down a few city blocks and set up two stages and invite musicians from all over the world to do their thing and it's a great time for the local bars to make a little bit of money and a good opportunity for music lovers to be able to see everything from punk to mariachi music to folk country to experimental electronic um, vibes I guess you would call them but I remember when I was younger I used to bar hop right so I'm going from bar to bar having a few beers in each getting progressively drunker, the acid beginning to take hold as the night gets longer and longer and longer. And it was just an incredible experience to, as a father, to take my son with his fancy new headphones <laughs> to protect his little baby eardrums uh, to see this kind of stuff because he is just hot on music he can't get enough of music his favorite toys yeah he's plunking on the keyboard himself i've heard that i think that's yeah. uh, well he got a he got a set of drums for his baby drums for his birthday and that's all he's wanted to do is smack this little electronic drum pad that makes different noises um that's how it all starts so, you know it's yeah. I, I think we forget that music is is uh, organized noise you know, it, it really is. And, and and the joy of that from the from the early physical moments of experimenting and finding himself in the world, I think to create those opportunities, uh, you know, melody and harmony come later. Uh, rhythm is where it starts and, and that's uh, a great thing to be introducing him to. And a fun new way I think for both you and Rios to to re-experience uh, your own uh, education in the world, you know, through him. Um, so that's terrific. Yeah, it was great. It was the first, you know, first Norman Music Festival in several years. They had been down in 2020 and 2021 in order to, uh, you know, protect people from catching COVID. And um, I don't know, it just, it really felt going into a lot of these bars and uh you know outdoor stages it really did feel like a return to normalcy that uh you know it filled my soul up it felt really good um so we ended up sleeping most of sunday um and then today i took gus to the pediatrician excuse me i took us to the pediatrician he's they said he was healthy as a horse uh, he got a few shots and at one point, the, the doctor looked at me and said, oh, no, I've seen this before. And I was like, what? 
And the doctor said, he's smart. He's very smart. But she said it like, oh, you poor son of a bitch. <laughs> you, you are. <laughs> so, uh, got home. I had my first, uh, right before this call, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm currently uh, not wearing any pants because I experienced a well, uh, first for telling uh, us. Poop, That's poop disaster. Poop disaster from Gus. Uh, went to change him and found poop just everywhere. So I had to think quick. I had to think on my feet. I had to use my no country creative thinking skills. So all I did was just strip him completely nude and turn on the shower and I just hopped in there with my clothes still on because every moment that I left him to his own devices was a potential to spread the the mess that had been made. So adventures in fatherhood. Well, I, I think listeners should know that I have been advocating, uh, as in prodding David to keep a, a diary, and my working suggested title is Oaky Dad, Everything is Not Oaky Doaky, um, <laughs> about these improvisational uh, necessities that come up with dealing with someone who's uh, not quite three feet tall yet active and pooping and needing all sorts of, of multiple levels of attention. I, I don't think there's anything more challenging than that and I think it's very uh, interesting and appropriate that, that, that males are, are, are more involved in that, that stage of development. I think that's going to be a very important part of, of Gus's uh, larger life view because a lot of us, you know, uh, were in the hands of, 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 uh, of females uh, growing up. And, yeah, and myself nothing, included. I'm not saying anything about that. I, I, I had the benefit of being raised in a large part by uh, my grandmother and her sister, therefore my great aunt. <coughs> I'm often in my dreams in my great aunt's little tiny house off San Pablo mm. Avenue in Berkeley uh, and I find that interesting uh, hers was the yeah. first big giant black telephone with a rotary dial uh, that was the mm -hmm. first time I ever made a phone call I remember that and it was a real exercise to you know now my fingers would I, I don't know if I could you know, it's hard to find a rotary tile phone, but it, then it was it was a real effort to turn that around. And uh, I remember her uh, uh, prefix. You know, people had prefixes then. Thornwall was the the prefix. Thornwall, you know, and then four, you know, five digits after. Uh, but how we are raised in these early stages and the things that we're exposed to. I think this is an interesting uh, line that, that, that we should maybe explore further about. Uh, because as, my, as I do more work on my new uh, book about memory, I find that there's an enormous amount of deep grammar, and I don't mean literary linguistic grammar, I mean grammar of the world, physics grammar, metaphysics grammar, that we take on board long before we can speak and really move and go to the bathroom ourselves, you know. This is when we're mm -hmm. learning these deep grammar ideas. How do things work, you know? So that sounds very, very exciting that there's some, uh, you know, you're, you're taking him to, to music festivals and the zoo and you're digging up worms and, you know, this is what we're trying to get people to, to be doing is get get physical, get out in the world again. Don't be like these, uh, I, I spoke last time about some of the kids I saw trying to play baseball. It was like, you know, yeah. really, why don't you try some tag? Play hide and yeah. seek a little bit more, you know? Get get running around, get breaking things apart, you know? Do, think, you know, do it's, physical uh, things. It's funny that you mentioned that rotary phone. My grandmother had one, not functional. It served the purpose of decoration by the late 80s, early 90s. But one of my early memories is actually looking at that rotary phone and thinking of the mouthpiece as uh, a kind of a nose. Yeah. And and the, the two bells on either side of it is the eyeballs of this thing. So it almost took on 
the the look of a of some kind of tiki mask or something some kind of bizarre african totem carving uh but yeah that's one of my earliest memories of that phone her basement which i found incredibly spooky and um crawling around on her linoleum kitchen floor with the all permeating smell of virginia slims in in everything so very cool very cool um before we get started we'll actually we'll pause here and i'll cut so that uh give me my my words real quick and i'll just I'll, you don't have to stop recording but i'll just cut this part out well maybe we could do an open-handed play here as okay. a variation yeah, that's fine too okay yeah sure Let's do it. I think every once in a while we need to break things up. David and I are great <coughs> believers in sure. improvisational, uh, you know, change change the format. Vita Blue, the great uh, Cy Young Award winner, said you need more pitches. You know, he said you only got two uh, to me when I was, you know, 12 years old. And uh, he said you, you, you got to be able to, to throw four. Uh, so we'll, 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 we'll reveal to listeners some of the behind-the-scenes thing. Normally, I, I, before we uh, start recording, I, I give David five words to choose two. So I'll, I'll, this is a full reveal, and, but he doesn't have to tell you what his two choices are. You can listen for them. Okay, here they are. Five words. Fidget. Great word. Fidget. Operational. Contact. Boy, is that word filled with meaning. Simple word. Contact. I encourage people to look at Anytime you see the prefix con, which means with, I think you should think about that very carefully. Ridiculous. Another common word. There's a show name at that. Fortuosity. Fortuosity. And we'll throw another one in there. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Patrol. What a great job. We should all be on patrol all the time. If you're not on patrol, where are you? (laughs) That's what my friend Bob would have said. If you're not on patrol, where exactly are you? You're nowhere. (laughs) Nowhere. So we've gotten a peek behind the curtain. Before we get into my imaginative challenge i want to make a quick announcement chris and i have talked about this for some time and we are going to be deactivating the patreon at the end of this month but fear not the podcast is not ending we've just decided to go a different direction with monetization um we essentially came to the conclusion that we are writers who podcast not podcasters who write and Chris and I love talking to each other as long as we are able to carve out a couple hours every week to chat. We will record those, and those will be no country. And of course, it'll be structured the way that it is here. But our new model is more akin to my other podcast, Agitator, where uh, Kelby and I don't have a Patreon. We don't have We don't have any kind of ads or subscription service, but we do encourage listeners to buy our books, which we've seen a lot of success with. And what that means is that Chris and I are now working on some No Country books, some nice, slim, attractive volumes that we will alert you to when they are available. And we just think that that is a way to reach a broader audience to deliver even more value for your support and to kind of get back to this idea once again that we are writers who podcast. Exactly right. And I think that with the, the, the book that, that Dave and I have in mind, which is a, an overview, uh, summation, and 
a little bit more support of, of exactly what we've covered so far, which, you know, we've done over 80 episodes now, and we've covered a lot of ground, and I think it's time, well, we, we, we thought that it was time for ourselves to um, kind of repeat, recapture, go back over some of the ground that we've covered, which has been substantial. But we do think that uh, we want to participate in a larger humanist uh, literary program of, of our heroes. And the best way to do that is via a book and via, a, again, you know, more open access to the discussions uh, and to, to build that community. Uh, and we're very grateful for the, the people who have really gotten on board and stayed on board because they've helped our thinking enormously. I, I think of, of people like Nick and Mason and Scott Hales, my, you know, my mom. Uh, we, we've had some really interested people engaged with us who have thrown back And we never comments. lost anybody. We never lost, you know, that was what was so great to me, you know, is that of all the people who we got to sign on to the Patreon, we retained everybody and that's how i know we're on to something and i know we've got a good show here is that you know people stuck around you know they they i i have subscribed to patreons and i'm not shy at all about discontinuing my pledge when i cease to get value for my five bucks um and so that is just a sign to me that uh that we're doing something right and going forward, um, we're going to that these books that we're talking about, we're going to offer them at a discounted rate to people who've been patrons because uh, you guys know who you are. Um, if you're listening to this when it becomes a free episode, I should say. But we have nothing but love and uh, good feeling for you, and we, we deeply appreciate your support these past few months this past few years now almost yeah uh, it's been big and, <laughs> i mean you know and i think we're I, i'm excited to say I, I think we're building our, our our female listenership and and connection and you know this is the thing i mean david and i kind of started this is is being you know a little bit uh lonely in 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 a certain way we started with you know late night phone conversations before we had the idea of anything and, and building a program of, of intellectual adventure and searching and, and community building um, so it, it, it's it's cool that 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 more and more people are, are getting on board and I think it's really important to remember in this day and age where diversity and, and inclusion are sort of you know corporate mantras corporate mantras, right? Well, I think anything that's a corporate mantra that's been accepted at that level needs to be very, very carefully scrutinized because it's usually very insincere. I think we all know that. Uh, and real diversity and inclusion happens slowly. It happens individual soul and mind and heart by individual soul and mind and heart. You, you, you just don't build community uh, on a giant level quickly, you know? You, you just don't, right? You know, unless there's right. something really weird going on. And, and, and that's cool when that happens too. That, that's also, I, 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 you know, to our credit, I think that's something that David and I are very attuned to is when, when things do happen. You know, we are looking at mm-hmm. big climate changes in terms of culture, you know, and yeah. It, yeah. that's all good. Uh, but on the other hand, we, we want to build our thing and our tribe, our family, our network, our community uh, in its own time, organically, because we are not machine, mechanistic, materialist people. We, we just aren't on that level, so... Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the constant human uh, duality, oscillation between, you know, of course, wanting some sort of 
success, if only for, you know, material gain in so far as, you know, I can bring my wife home from her job so she can spend time. Which is a great ambition, by the way, and and nothing to be anything less than very proud of. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, and then between that and exactly what you're talking about, where it's, you know, at the same time, considering the work that we do, we can't, we can't rush it, you know, we can't, uh, I think we both sort of intuitively understand, because you have a sales background, and I'm brand savvy as well, we both kind of know some tricks that we could pull to cheaply uh, raise our listenership, but we're just... We're taking the the long way around, which ultimately is more fulfilling. And we we want a big audience, but we want that audience to be, for every single person who listens to the show, to be a quality listener. People don't talk about that enough. You know, they talk about the quantity Mm. of their listenership. Well, we on the Patreon have extreme quality of listenership. So we, we want that just exponentially. Um, you know, so yeah, I want you know the, the the one thing that I'm really proud of in my teaching experience over the last ten years is I always insisted across every class, every age group, you know, anywhere in the world, you know, from Indonesia to Las Vegas and Seattle and Salem, Massachusetts, I always wanted to learn something and. When we launched the No Country Book Club, I got the I got the delivery on that that promise. I got mm-hmm. really, really inspired by our participants. They they gave back some interesting, world class interesting insights. And they did that from their own little, you know, humble, you know, we're all working out of, you know, our offices or our basements or our attics or, you know, these are not people who are tremendously uh, wealthy and have huge sort of staff and, and, and beautiful accoutrement, you know. They, no, but they came up with some amazing insights and I'm so proud of that. I think that... We have some really, really smart listeners, you know, and I I think that's cool, you know. So everybody, um, send me an email, keep in contact with me, and we will get that Discord started. Uh, We will move to, I think Discord is a great, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you, Chris, how this all works, but it's a great way to keep in kind of constant contact we can all share cool things that are related to the show continue discussions have a section for book club discussions um and you know and it's free and open so everybody can invite their friends to participate as well without that uh paywall barrier involved so on that note do you have an imaginative challenge for me today i do david i think it's time that we uh we need to harken back to something earlier that I asked David to do. Uh, visual thinking is, is, is crucial uh, for all of us uh, because it, it ends up being physical. We have to actually draw some things. We need to get with our hands and our eyes. Yeah, the human experience has a, a great deal to do with hand-to-eye coordination. Okay, so if you're not doing some, you may not think you're a great drawer, you know, okay, fine. But you need to be doodling, you need to be drawing, you need to be thinking visually and connect that from your eyes, visual cortex of your brain down to your hands. This is something we all need to work on. This is how we stay young across the years, you know, this is so important. David earlier was uh, challenged to, and I think he did a beautiful job of imagining a spider uh, with thread tied around a leg to create a kind of, of diagram of time, which is something that I went through uh, with my New Guinea magic training. 
So we're going to go back to a visual exercise, David. And it's, so this is something that we are all familiar with. I think they're enormously handy skills. Venn diagrams, V-E-N-N. Research where those came from. They're, they're just, I think we all know what they look like. Uh, they're just a wonderful visual educational tool. If we can get on top of it and have fun with it as a, as a device, as an educational device, it's, it's very important. So David, what your imaginative challenge this time, and, and I, we want you to post your uh, result, is I, I want you to do a Venn diagram of yourself relative to Gus Rios, your grandparent, family, community, your local community, and the world. Wow. Okay. All right. So that for this creative You're challenge, You're just I, I will, I will be, I will post that then when I post the episode. Yeah. So people can see that. Yeah. Okay. And I think this is a good challenge. We need to, we need to encourage all of, all of the people listening. Just have a little faith in your own hand, because that's what's going to do the drawing. Have a little right. faith in your in your hand, your dominant hand, whether you're right-handed or left-handed, it doesn't matter. But just have a little faith in your physical being to present yourself to yourself and to present a, a picture of yourself relative to the world. This is what we're all trying to find. Who are we, really? Where are we? Where are we going? Yeah, you know, this is what Paul Gauguin asked. This is the name of his most famous painting, you know. And we, we need to connect with that. But our hands, our dominant hand, let, let, let it, you know, let it lead us, you know. What happens if, it, what happens if our physical body leads us, you know. And we just doodle, and we just, you know, we, we never know what will happen. I think I'm a terrible drawer, that's why I do abstract paintings. <laughs> I, have, I think, well, I, I can't actually draw anything. Really? I'm not sure that's really true. I think my hand can actually draw much better than my mind can. Uh, so, David, that's your challenge, and you're always really, really embracing of challenges. And this is the core thing that we want to get across to listeners is just have a little fun with, with challenge. Don't be, don't mm. feel challenge is confrontational. You know, it's a little bit combative, but you know, we like a little bit of sparring. It's good. It's good for us. You know, tag, hide and seek are, are also confrontational things. But this is what we all need to get back to is have some fun together, have some intellectual, you know, and maybe even metaphysical uh, fun with each other. Just try some things out, play some, play some games, do some role playing, think of yourself as being more capable than you are. And I think that we'll, we'll enjoy David's Venn diagrams of where he thinks he is relative to his new son, who's just had a first birthday, his wife, his local community, uh, the world. He is, a, you know, he's connected. You know, we, we're all connected in, you know, via internet with the world. Are we? Are we really? You know, I mean, I, I find my, I'm connected with people in Africa, in the Solomon Islands, more than people down the street. I mean, that's odd. So we'll, we'll look forward to this, David. Is, do you have any questions about that assignment? Just do. Uh, no, I, uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah. So I will, I will doodle throughout this conversation, and then I will post what I come up with. In terms of the Venn diagram, are these separate Venn diagrams, or am I attempting to create a big Olympic medal-style Venn diagram of all of these things together? Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that I really admire about, you know, that, that in, and you, you, we talked about this in a couple of, of episodes, about you showing your work 
so I, I don't want to um, impose a final structure on this. I, I would say yes, we're probably in one execution, it would be the final Olympic, uh, you know, totality. But but I like yeah. that you always are, are generous enough, innocent enough. Did everyone hear that word? Innocent enough <laughs> to, uh, which innocent and confident, that's almost like a rhyme, isn't it? Innocent and confident. Mm-hmm. No, no one else notices that almost rhyme, except me. Um, I, I call your attention to that. Uh, so I think that whatever you show is important, uh, but I like that you do have a working idea of things. And, you know, this is frankly where we all are. We all are working towards a concept, but we're all afraid of showing our work, showing the behind the scenes, behind the curtain, anything, you know, we don't want to look you know, before we shower, before we shave, before we have makeup on, you know? It's like everyone is afraid of, of not being perfectly presented now. Um, so, I, no, I, I think that, that, w- that we, we would benefit all from, from both. Uh, maybe a final uh, finished thing that you, you think, well, is the Olympic idea. Uh, but all the, also the scratchings, you know, scratchings. You know, animals do scratchings. Humans are afraid of scratchings. They, 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 don't, they don't want to do anything that isn't like a signature, you know, a notarized signature, you know? And a mourning dove just plants a foot in the dust and just goes, oh, you know, that's, that's my, that's, I, I was here, you know? Um, so whatever you want. I think that I think that the totality of your response, totality. How many people use that word? I use it a lot, actually. Uh, so no, it, it, whatever you come up with is going to be good. Okay, excellent. I love it. This is going to be good. Um, this is going to be a fun little project for me too, because I'm going to doodle while we're talking. But I'm also. If I keep going, I just keep going. And this might this might end up being something that looks really cool. You know, and, um, and I think this is an important thing for listeners to remember that there's a difference between the multi-channel challenges that I'm offering to David, who it just keeps coming back with some amazing, amazing things. And looking at your phone while you're talking to people. That's rude. That is rude. Yeah. But it's right. it's but multi-channel listening heightens your awareness to people in in physical presence to you. That's different. I hope people hear and really recognize that difference. I am not talking about looking at your phone while you're talking to someone else, a beautiful woman or a friend or your mother or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being able to multi-channel the world because that is what the world asks of us. You know? And it doesn't I, I used to know a I used to know a, a friend of mine's girlfriend would uh was so on her phone that you would be in the middle of a thought and she would take like whip the phone out like a gunslinger, turn it on, and then just start looking at it. And I couldn't remember, I couldn't help every time she did that, just being like, how classless do you have to be to do something like that? You know what I mean? Just just no, no consideration that you're talking to another human being whatsoever. So anyway, on that note, what would you like to talk about today? Well, I just want to just touch there. I think there are two giant ideas there. There's the phone slinger as opposed to the The gun slinger. Uh You know, I think that's a beautiful idea. And you you throw out a lot of really great ideas, 
just very simply and very humbly, and I, I, I really appreciate that. I think that, um, well, I, I do have some ideas. Of, I, I want to share a thought um, to kick us off. Because I think this sort of is, uh, as David mentioned, we are in actively engaged in doing a real serious book um, that brings into the fore all of the things that we've been talking about over now, uh, you know, 200 hours of, 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 I think, very interesting discussion. So I'm going to throw out just a little thing from my notebook. I'm reading this. It, it's my handwriting is is, is terrible, um, but I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I I don't either. <laughs> I, I support handwriting in my textbook. That's one of the you know really crucial ideas is get to know your own handwriting. We'll say that you know. Can you actually recognize your own hand? your own genitals, your own handwriting. I mean, we all are... S you think you're good? Okay, well, there you go. That's what identity means. I mean, let's talk about identity, really. Um, but then we get to the conceptual level. So here, here's my opening line here. All of us in ourselves are akin to a remote tribe, beneficently and suspiciously. And, did you see, did you hear that underline, and, underline? And suspiciously, presented with a mysterious apparatus whose full range of capabilities and purpose is yet to be determined. And I am thinking about remote people I've met, you know, in the Solomon Islands who've been given an earth-moving machine. I think David and I have talked about this. Is like, well, the, their first reaction is to dismantle the entire thing because they want to understand it. They want to build their culture and, and local community into the machine. They want to know, well, how much of this is uh, self-sustaining or... Are you giving us uh, an addiction model? So we need fuel. We need batteries. You know, they ask those questions. Batteries not included. You know, did we really pay attention to that line uh, when we were growing up? I, I don't think we paid enough attention to that idea. You know, I, we wonder then where, where do the batteries go when we throw them out? So that was my first thought, David, is that I would ask the question of, first of all, do you think of yourself, and, and this is for all our listeners, how important is your personal identity? And maybe you're a community. Maybe you're a kind of local tribe out in the middle of maybe the 140, you know, 40, 141 East Longitude community, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, mm -hmm. and you're given an earth moving machine as your body, you know, uh, right? What, what, what do you do with it? So that's my thought for this episode. There are some really, the first interesting thing that I picked up there was your use of the word suspiciously. Mm. That, uh, that makes me think of, uh, it, it, it gives this idea in and of itself of sense of agency that I dig, uh, because suspiciously implies that it's, that it's up to something. <laughs> right. Somebody's up to something when it's suspicious. Now, in terms of my identity, if I'm putting myself in the position of, uh, say, one of these, these tribes and we've been gifted an earth-moving machine... I think that um, I, I don't necessarily see that as an imposition of an identity on the earth moving machine. I see it as an integration. Uh, and I think that those. Wow, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. That was a moment 
This is what David does so well. You know, this is the heart of, of what I'm t talking about in my textbook, is there, there is no good thinking without good language. There isn't any good thinking. The, you, some people like Stephen King may say he can create a great story or it has great ideas and can't write a great sentence. I don't believe that at all. I, I think that's completely wrong. But I don't think there's great thinking without great language capability. And the rhetorical balance there between imposition and integration that David just rocked on with is something that people need to be aware of. That's a beautiful, beautiful performance in life and in language, which is what human life is. There is no human life without language. And that, that was absolutely, it's syllabically balanced imposition, integration. But it's a beautiful, beautiful frame for how things work. Because imposition comes from outside. Is you know, it's inherently forced upon us. It's like a grid pressed down on jello. Whereas integration is something active that we are participating in at least. I just want people to hear some of the things that David performs in real life. Because he's performing. You know, we always say, all the liberals go, well, everything's performative, you know. Well, yes, that's true. That's the nature of life, thank you very much. You didn't have There's to give us that from a, yeah. some sort of ideological point of view. We understand that. Uh, but I think that was beautiful, beautifully balanced. And I'm going to sort of interrupt occasionally just to highlight uh oh that's fine yeah no that's totally fine so from that from that uh imposition versus integration my mind goes from there to no fortress no siege right and the idea that if you the the soup that we're in in western culture is one of constant imposition whether that's from the television, the internet, advertisements that you see on the street, people who are what, like, it used to be considered very gauche to announce your political opinions to anybody at all. I was talking to a friend of mine who's in his 50s, and I was asking him about the year 1988 when he graduated from high school, because I was thinking about the past as a kid who grew up in the late 80s and early, or throughout the 90s, I should say, and I, I asked him, like, did you and your buddies ever talk about your political opinions to each other? He's like, no way. That was just totally out of bounds. And I think that when you're thinking about ideology and the transmission of ideology between people, I see a kind of abused child mentality where we've had things imposed on us from above, as above, so below, for so long that we've begun to think that imposing is the way to get what we want it's the the bullied the abused kid who becomes a bully type thing right right and imp imposition from uh this tribal aspect wouldn't make any sense you you could not you could not survive in some of these environments if you decide that you are going to impose your will or your wants on that environment integration is survival so i think that that is a, is a great model for where we're at right now for looking at perhaps an alternative to this constant cycle of abuse that we find ourselves in where, <clears throat> you know, you get a new earth-moving machine or you can bring it down to something that you picked up from the store. I had to go buy a headphone charging case yesterday. You can integrate yourself with these technologies. They can become parts of a utility belt, a toolkit that you can Lovely. that can that you can use and that sometimes might use you. Um, but I, I just I think that you've brought up a really important uh, way of thinking that does take us back 
to some of our very first episodes, but that bears repeating every few episodes, right? It, it, it's worth bringing back up this idea of, you know, we are not, uh, while we love explorers and we love the spirit of adventure, you know, we're not trying to impose anything at the point of a sword to anybody else, right? In- integration uh, will lead to flourishing, and that is the end goal. Not dominance, but flourishing, mutual flourishing, one might say. True integration, I think, is the, is the way to think of it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Not imposition of, of, you know, this is a, a real... Uh, I think one of the, the issues that we will raise in, in the book idea um, that we're working on of, of the, the podcast series so far is, is the difference between, you know, and, and everyone knows the expression, the map is not the, the, the terrain or, or territory. Yeah, we get that. But... A map is a beautiful idea if it's really well done. You know, that's the thing. You know, there are one of the great moments of our whole project was out of the book club. Uh, a comment was made that to have an agenda. <laughs> is not necessarily a bad thing. It's the question of what your agenda is. And that's what we're listening for with our listeners, is yeah, yeah, an agenda is not a bad thing, necessarily. It's a question of how sophisticated, nuanced, subtle, delicate, robust, and accurate you know, and I think mm-hmm. all of those things apply to the idea of maps. You know, and it, it, so we're, what we're looking for is a kind of innocent, sincere, but really connected connection with the world and our topics and our subcategories of distinction. I mean, Gilbert Ryle, you know, which is, you know, I think one of the great philosophers of all time and recent time said, you know, you are the categorical decisions you make. <laughs> what, an, what a difficult, ugly, beautiful thought that is, you know? Isn't that true? You are the categorical decisions you make that you feel you can make, you know? So, yeah, I think there's so much interesting stuff there. It's it's kind of exciting, isn't it? That we're we're still yeah. we're still around to make these I, you know, the, these decisions a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I, I do like that idea that you are the categorical decisions you make because that ties in directly to your expression of wonder and joy that we're there to experience them. With those two things are completely inter, interlinked because decision making and becoming is the whole deal. I've been thinking a lot lately about <clears throat> not being this sort of. Uh, I don't know, a little ball of clay that's acted upon in the world because I find that it leads me to things like laziness and, you know, waiting for, just waiting for the next imposition to come down the line that might be better than the last one. Um, so I, I, I think that there is a lot of light and hope and life in this idea of you being the categorical decisions that you make. Um, I think that... I forget where I heard this, but recently I heard, uh, uh, I believe it was Rudolf Steiner, maybe it was Gurdjieff, one of those, one of those guys who said something to the effect of anything bad that happens to you 
you must think of it as being your fault and anything good that happens to you you should think of as being a gift from God and that's a tough thing it's a tough thing for folks to wrap their head around but I think that that is such a a, a great way to keep you on your toes right to constantly be reevaluating these categorical decisions that you're making and really owning up to them when they don't work but in a kind of zen master way even if you've scrubbed and waxed the floor perfectly you don't take credit for that so it's this there was this uh, perhaps apocryphal story that i would hear about uh tribes people comanches kiowas on the plains the young men going out on buffalo hunts and coming back and no matter how huge the game was that they brought back the tribe would tell them uh is that it that's all you got that's oof. i guess we i guess we can make that work if we really stretch it i guess i wasn't that hungry anyway and it's this same idea right of um once you give people that that final bit of praise it's almost as if they've won some sort of game and the the eye begins to take shape and and I mean that with a capital letter I, it begins to take shape and, and you, you stop integrating and you stop being the decisions that you've made and you become a figure who has done something. So that, that sort of denial of credit is, it seems to be the kind of stirring spoon that keeps all those molecules moving around in the beaker. I love that idea of the stirring spoon, you know, I, and, and you are that in my life. Um, you know, one of, yeah, our, one of our most um, controversial uh, series was, had to do with empathy. And we got a lot of feedback, and, and, and some of it was like really, you know, just sort of pushback against us. But people yeah, kept. Yeah, some people were pretty mad about that, yeah. People kept listening. Um, but but here's my 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 take on that is that um, you know I, I I'm not 35 and uh, I don't have a, a son who's just turned one and I don't have a hot Latina wife um, but I draw a lot of inspiration from you uh, and I, 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 I my my challenge to people who were our critics of our empathy program. Uh, we, we, we did a really good series early in the piece. And, uh, and it's something that we will acknowledge in our book. Um, but it was, you know, we got, we got some pushback from people. And um, I, I, I frankly got some pushback from people in Seattle and Portland and Northern California. Yeah, uh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting, right? Because you know, in order to have empathy, you have to have somebody who is empathizing. And once, as soon as you do that, you're out of being the product of your categorical categorical decision making. You're no longer integrated. You are imp- empathy is imposed. So not integrated. I think that and that's a beautiful not integrated. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. So you're you're sort of once again getting into this narcissistic trap. Um, of being the one who has empathy rather than someone who stays with the trouble as donna haraway would put it someone who is in a constant state of becoming as deleuze and guattari would put it it's a you can't you can't ever you know step in the same river twice but you also you you don't want to ever dam that river up right like you you want to be more like that river in a constant state of flow like bruce lee says doesn't he say that be like water or something yeah like that? yeah well he, he could say anything he wanted because he was bruce lee and we and cool. also i think that was one of our our best episodes about bruce lee and seattle i hope people check back on some of the things that david and i have done that you know, we have created a real legacy of, of media product. Um, I, I thought that was a really beautiful thing because we we really connected around the 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 spirit and the, and the personality of, of Bruce Lee, 
and in the Seattle conflict. Um, but I, I love this idea that imposition versus integration. You know, I think mm -hmm. that people might listen to us and, and think, well, Chris uh, has some, you know, really weird ideas and, and, you know, they're out there and they need more support and he's not really a PhD academic selling this in in a way and yet the beautiful thing is David comes in with a very very special form of intellect which no one can create I've tried to create this across many students around the world you cannot create curiosity. People are either curious and confident enough to engage with new ideas or they're not. You know, and I'm very, very grateful for this collaboration. And I think that David comes in with some beautiful harmonics. How much more of a harmonic could you really expect? in life if you're thinking reading you know intellectual pretentious person then imposition versus integration that's a beautiful idea that's a beautiful idea i'm very grateful for this wonderful partnership and i I think that both of us celebrate this listenership that we're, we're trying to build into a larger community. Just ask yourself, you know, look around, be a little bit curious. You know, it, it, it's okay to ask some questions, you know, because you're in no country. We don't have to be in any country now. That's the, that's the glorious thing. We don't actually have to be in any country. We can be in no country. And this is what we're talking about. This is the whole idea. Absolutely. Well, I think that that, because you mentioned the name of the podcast, I think that that's a perfect place to put a pin in the major discussion of the day, the, the, the main attraction, if you will, to move into our, our segments here. Uh, you know, we like to have uh, kind of, you know, functional operational tools that we can use or they, and that our listeners can use. So do you have a tool and perhaps a tip for us today? I do. I do. And these are hard-hitting. You know, look, I'm not getting any younger, and, and David isn't, and I don't think you are either. I strangely think you're getting older the same rate that I am and David is. So I want you to think about this. Think of yourself at what you feel is your absolute best. Okay? Your best moment happiest psychological personal private moment are you busy accomplishing things we like to do to-do lists everyone smart has a to-do list for the day maybe for the week for, for life but are you Contemplate. Are you alone or are you with others? What is your best possible moment? What if you were freeze framed? Freeze frame. Photography has changed the entire notion of reality and our sense of being in the world. Where are you at 
best possible. Your best. Are you alone? Are you contemplating a lizard? Are you with other people? Are you with your wife? Your your husband? Are you with your son or daughter? What where are you? Where are you at your best possible moment? I ask you to reflect on that. That's my tip and tool for this week. I have a very strange dream. <laughs> okay. Well, my dream was. Yeah. Do you have the courage to acknowledge a nightmare? That's one of my questions. I think we do. I think we do. I think we do. I had a nightmare. I had. Uh, I was in possession of a very, very intense action figure, about three quarters size normally with their their you know a, a toy doll thing. But it was extremely robotically active. It was a real genius creation of an action figure. And I had it lodged into my chest in a padded envelope pack over my heart just exactly like my father's Bible. You know, they used to give Bibles out to GIs in, in World War II that had iron covers. little thing put in the pocket in case a bullet was shot at them. What a lovely idea. Well, anyway. I was pursued by some really evil people. They they appeared, first of all, as like really sort of weird Nazi frat boys people but they presented then later as kind of like SS officers you know really really psychopathic sociopathic anyway people and I took refuge in one of these strange sort of midwestern towns it is part of my mythology. You know, I, I, I'm not from Indi- you know, Indiana. I'm not. I'm not. I'm from California. I'm from the Bay Area. But I took refuge in this boarding house. A boarding house. Remember? I, I, I don't think many people do remember a boarding house. I don't think I remember that. I think I remember that from movies. You know, a couple of old ladies, a few sort of traveling salesmen, you know, living in a sort of a house owned by a woman who was trying to make some money off, you know, selling some space. And I trying to convince these people that I was retarded as in mentally deficient but I use the term retarded I'm sorry I'm not woke Uh, and I was trying to avoid being killed by these people chasing me for this action figure that was a robotic bit of genius that would have been worth I don't know hundred thousand a million dollars it, it could do anything you wanted you know and I didn't actually think of pulling it out of my chest pocket and going well look can you help me solve this problem 
Yeah, I didn't think of that. I, 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 I sold myself into this group of people going, I'm mentally deficient and these people are trying to really kill me. Can you help me? And I don't think they did, actually. <laughs> I don't think they did. I, I think I, I think I actually went through the, the front room window into a bunch of marigolds. That was the last thing I remembered. I broke through the window into the marigolds. And that's my advice to you. Yeah, no one's gonna help you. Yeah, maybe you need to break through the window into the marigolds. Marigolds have a lovely name in Nahuatl, what the indigenous Mexicans would call them a sempasuchi. Yeah. Which I think is just a beautiful word. Um, there's a lot that we covered in this episode, and I think that we will pick it up next week. But before we go, I just, uh, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate to everybody listening out there on the Patreon that Chris and I are very appreciative of what you guys have done. We can't thank you enough, but stick around because we got more cool stuff. Well, we hope that you will buy our, our new book coming out um, because we we really do cover all of the ground that we've covered across the episodes, which is now you know hundreds of hours. And also a lot of exchange uh, with people who have been listening. So we want you to stay with us and be part of this community.